0: Now, pull out your message notes. I want to dive into the message today. We're in the series, More Than You Know. Uh, more Than You Know. Now, uh, the, the whole premise has been little things matter more than you know, that it's the little things in life that make a big difference. And as we're heading into 2019, what we want to do is we can't focus on everything, but we want to focus on the right things. And so today, what I want to focus on is vision, vision. Vision matters more than you know, and specifically God's vision for your life, that it's important for each and every one of us to know that God has a vision for my life, and if he has a vision for my life, I mean, no, I need to know what that vision is. Uh, look at what it says in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. If you have your phones, uh, you can do that as well, or you can look to the screens for the verses as they go up. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen says, Where there is no vision, people perish. So when there's no vision, uh, people perish. Now, now, what does that mean? That means that, that they begin to waste away. They're, they're, when there's no vision, the, the, they begin to perish on the inside. And uh, it, Have you ever had this, this feeling where it's like I'm dying on the inside? Like I'm living life and I'm going to work and I'm maybe doing exercise and fitness and all these different things. But when you don't have a vision, what will happen is you say, I'm doing activity, but I'm dying on the inside. I'm perishing from within. And so the the Bible talks about vision and, and how important it is for us in our life that we've got to have vision. For our life and, and, and if we're supposed to have vision for our life what's God's vision for my life now vision is actually being able to clearly see the future and where it is that we are going like I want to be able to see where it is that I am pointing my life towards and I'm focused on a long-term direction. There's my, my life has purpose, my life has meaning and I'm going in a direction and that direction is really the vision for my life and For our church, you've gotta have vision if you're gonna have a lasting impact in a community. You can't just say, we're gonna just lead people to Jesus. Well, what does that look like? What is the vision that people can point their lives towards? What is it that they're focused on as a church and as believers? Now, as a church, I want you to know our vision. We have hundreds of new people that have joined us over the last couple of months, and, and I want you to know that as a church, what's the vision that we have here at Anchor Bend? Our vision is to live moment-ready, reaching people with the love of God, helping them become fully devoted followers of Christ. So I want to live moment ready. What's it mean? That means in the moment, I'm ready. Ready what? Ready to respond to God. Ready to help people uh, fall in love with God. Ready to uh, spread the gospel and the good news, to witness, to invite to church. I just, I live in the moment. How many know for too long people live outside of the moments. We live in a virtual world. We live aloof and disassociated with what reality is taking place in our life. And so as a church, we've said, listen, we're going to live in this moment that God has called us to seize the moment that we live in and we're going to capture it with our life. And then, you know what we're going to do? We're going to reach people. Now, how are we are going to reach them? With the love of God. The kindness of God is what draws people to repentance. It's the love of God. So that's been, you know, you'll hear me say it just about every week. I hope you felt love from the moment you got out your car to the moment you checked your kids in to the moment you walked into these doors. I hope you felt love. Why? Because I want to reach you with the love of God. It was the love of God that saved me, not the judgment of God. I was messed up on drugs high in my bathroom at 1230, February 7th, 2003, and the love of God. Saved me, sobered me up, caused me in that moment to experience what it means to be radically saved and never look back. It wasn't the judgment of God, it was the love of God that called me to Him. And so, our desire at this church if you would feel anything, I don't care if you're an atheist, agnostic, Muslim, Hindus, and you guys, there's those, they, they visit our church often. Doesn't matter who you are. You don't have to believe to belong. I just want you to connect to the love of God because it's the love of God that will lead you to him. And that's our desire. Then, and then ultimately, look, I don't want you just to feel the love of God. I want you to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. I don't want to create a social club. We need to create an army. Like social club is like whether I feel like it or not, I can start it or stop it. An army says I've enlisted. If I leave, I go AWOL. Like I, it's not my life. And so, yes, listen, don't mistake it. We got cool lights and projectors and screens, and your pastor wears skinny pants every once in a while with rips and a t-shirt every once in a while. But listen, don't mistake my heart. It's to create fully devoted followers of Christ. God's not gonna stand up and say, well done, you had nice skinny jeans on. You had some really cool lights. No, no, he's gonna say, did you do what I called you to do, which is to raise up an army of believers in this region? So that's our calling, devoted followers of Christ. And really, there are four things that we believe every one of you should experience in your life. Really, they're the four core promises that we have built this church on. We can see them all the way from Genesis to Revelation, and that's what I want to share with you this morning. If you'll turn with me to Ephesians chapter one, verse sixteen through eighteen. This is a letter that was written from Paul to the church in Ephesus. Now, this is actually a rare transcript of a prayer. Now, the Bible talks a lot about prayer, but it doesn't give us a lot of prayers, which is very interesting, but this is one of those occasions where the Bible actually gives us Paul's prayer for us as believers, and I want to read it to you, and I'm going to pull out God's vision for our life. Why? Because vision matters more than you know. Look, it says in verse 17, I ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the glory of God to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. So think, think about this. The first thing is God's promise is that you would know him. He wants to know you and he wants you to know him. And then look, he says your eyes. Now, when he says eyes, he's really talking about your heart, the eyes of my heart. Look, what is it? Focused and clear focused and clear. What's that mean? He, he wants you to find freedom. He doesn't want any pollutants in your heart. He wants you to have a clear heart. And so here we see God, you want me to find freedom. Now, how do I do that? I, I give him and work through my unresolved pain and my hurts. And, and then every time I do, God begins to, to cleanse my heart so that it's pure like his. And Look at what it says, and then so that, ex- so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do, which is the third promise, that God wants us to discover our purpose, that you have a calling. Someone said, well, look, pastor, I'm sitting in here. My parents said I was an accident, that I wasn't supposed to be here, and, and the truth is they, you might have been an accident to them, but you're not an accident to God. God placed the seed of purpose inside of you, and so it's our responsibility to discover, God, what you put inside of me. So he wants us to know the calling that he has for us to do. And then look, he says, grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life that he has for Christians, that there is a way that he has for Christians and it's a life he wants us to lead. And really that's making a difference that, you know, we weren't called to come into the church and just sit and and just allow our lives to be saturated and soaked without going out and giving away. We're not supposed to be a dam, we're supposed to be a river, that the power and the presence of God flows through our life to the world that is around us. Look, God has a vision for your life, and this prayer really reveals that for you, and it's the core promises of God, and really the vision of our church. And what I see myself is really that I am a spiritual tour guide. That each and every one of you are on a spiritual journey. Now, you may not even realize it. You may think, well, I'm not on a spiritual journey. But the truth is, God placed eternity inside the hearts of each person. And because eternity is set inside, until you fulfill the vision of God, you will always be drawn. There's like, I, I'm on a journey and, and my job is to lead you to the right path. That God, here's the path that God has for your life. Let me lead you as a tour guide to the journey that God has for you. And I want to share with you those steps. The first one is God wants you to know him. Everybody say, know him. Know him. So look, we don't want to play church. Look, it says making sure that we are intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally. This is not about religion. You know, it's not about an act. It's not like, well, I came to church. I've done my duty. I'm good. No, God wants a relationship with each and every one of us. I grew up in church. I could tell you all the right things to say and all the right things to do. I could put on the mask and I could come in and give high fives and yet still live like the devil throughout the week. I mean, I know how to play church, and I'm sure some of you know how to play church. You know what it's like to to look good to some people and then be the real you in front of other people. God don't want us to play church. He wants us to be the church. And it wasn't until my early 20s that God converted me, which I told you just briefly the story of what God did. I mean, it was an amazing thing that in that experience, it went from religion to relationship. I mean, we got to know, look, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than sitting in a garage makes you a car. You'll sit in the garage, see how that works for you. No, no, no. It ain't, ain't going to work. That's, that's not the way God designed it. Religion doesn't make Christians. Relationship does. And there's such a difference between knowing God and knowing about God. I mean, it's, it's like Pastor Phyllis. How many love Pastor Phyllis? <laughs> I mean, she's a great example of this. Now, our church is large enough now, there's a lot of you that do not know Pastor Phyllis. Now, you may think you know her because I tell stories about Pastor Phyllis, come on, most of which are good. They, uh, I tell stories about her and share some of our life experiences, and then she'll get up and she'll communicate and she'll talk, and, and, but the truth is, if you're not careful, you'll think you know her, but the truth is you don't know her. And so you, have you ever met someone and it's like, hey, and you feel like you know them, they're like, hey, my name's Jim. Who are you? It's because you heard stories about them. You, you maybe have even engaged your heart about them. But the truth is, if you don't know Phyllis because you've never spent time with her, maybe you, my question is, if you think you know her, what's her favorite food? What kind of coffee does she like? What kind of creamer does she like? How late does she like to sleep? How, what time does she like to go to bed? What, what does she like to do on her days off? What, what are the desires and the dreams of her heart? And if you can't answer those things, the truth is you probably don't know her. But guess what? I've been married to her for almost 19 years. I know this woman. I could tell you all the little details about her life. I could tell you what she likes and what she doesn't like. Why? Because I have a relationship with her. I know Phyllis. Same thing with God. See, we can hear all the stories of God. You can come to church and have me inspire you about how God is good and talk about how this victory happened in so-and-so's life, and you feel like, well, God, I know you, but the truth is until you know him, you can never live for him. And so it's got to go from this head knowledge. Well, pastor, your stories are great. And I I see there's an affinity to God tonight. It ain't about affinity. It's about surrender. Have you surrendered your life to God? Do you have a relationship with Him? Here's a question. What is God like? What is God not like? Have you you asked him questions that, that you would ask in a relationship? And that's what we mean by knowing God. And there's some of you here today, look, you don't have a relationship with God. And I want you to know, that's okay. You're in the right spot. At the end of this service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer of surrender. And I believe God's going to meet you in that moment, in that prayer. And your journey can begin today. So just hold on. That will happen at the end of the service. So, you know, the first part of the journey is, God, i got to know you. The second part is i got to find freedom. God wants you to find freedom that your eyes would be focused and clear. My heart would be focused and clear. Some of you, you've been struggling in areas of your life, your your habits, you wish you didn't have, the ones that are public and the ones that are private, the ones people know about and the ones nobody knows about. The secret chains that are wrapped around your heart, the addictions that you have. And I'm not just talking about sexual addictions. It can be the addiction of fear, worry anxiety. I mean, all those things that wrap chains around our hearts. Look, God wants us to live a life that is free, and he wants you to experience freedom in your life. He wants you to have a clean heart. Now, how do you do this? It's all through small groups. Come on, better. It's small groups. That's why as a church, I remember growing up uh, in church, we tried to have small groups And it didn't really happen as much. I didn't really understand the why of small groups. So you could come today and you see all the hundreds of people in the breezeway and you're like, man, it's awesome. You know, it's cool to have friends and it's great to socialize with people. But you got to understand small groups is not just about socializing with people. It's helping you get on the path of freedom. And when I understood that, it changed my mentality about small groups. I remember even being the associate pastor of a church and being tasked with launching small groups. And back then, we, you know, church was good, it was growing. I couldn't get more than nine small groups off the ground. And I would spin my wheels and come on, have a small group. Well, I just, I just knew you're supposed to have a small group. But then when we got ready to launch this church, my pastor, Pastor Chris, uh, Chris Hodges, began to speak into my life that small groups are not a growth, like, like a church growth strategy. Small groups are a personal growth strategy that helps bring freedom in my heart. And when I grow, the church grows. And that without small groups, there is no process or system for people to experience the freedom that God has for their life. And so it's more than just a social club. It's about, God, I need to experience freedom in my life. And you say, well, show me that. Why small groups? What's the way God designed it? Look at James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to one another. Pray for each other that you might live together whole and healed now I don't know about you but I'm not confessing my sin to a stranger you know I I, for me there's a relationship that's built there I who who prays for you your friends Who does life with you? Your friends. And so God's called you to live in this community of people that say, look, I'm going to take off this mask. Church ought to be the one place that you could take the mask off. You may have to wear a mask at work. You may have to wear it in the grocery store when you're walking through all hell. I don't know. But church ought to be the one place where I could say, hey, look, can I just show you the real me? Because I'm in pain. I'm hurting. My life is a little jacked up and I really need you to pray for me and help me and walk me through freedom. And that's what I love about church is that when you understand the why, it's not, it's not whether or not you've got time to get involved in a small group. It's you can't afford not to get involved in a small group. Why? Because I got to get free from the things that the devil has tried to wrap around my heart to keep me bound from the things of the past. We find freedom in relationships. Relationships. And look, i got to tell you as a pastor, from day one, I I have had small groups here at this church, and I remember launching this and getting ready to launch small groups thinking, I don't even know if I can launch small groups. I don't even know if they'll work. And Pastor Chris just kept saying, I'm telling you, Jim, this is the path for your people to experience freedom, so we do it. Now today, we're launching more than 80 small groups all throughout this entire region. People that'll, that'll gather together based on different interests and dif- different ideas. Some are going out to eat. Some are playing soccer. Some are doing uh, business professional luncheons and different things. But the reality is people understand I have to have a relationship with people that are moving down the path of God's vision for their life so that I can experience freedom on this journey. Wouldn't it be a tragedy to make it to heaven and not experience all the freedom God has for your life? So that's part of the vision that God, we are going to experience the freedom that you have for us. So He wants us to know Him, He wants us to find freedom. The third thing is to discover your purpose. And I said it earlier look, God has a purpose for your life. There is a calling that God has for your life. And someone said, Well, how do I discover your purpose? So, Pastor, what do I need to do? Well, the way we've set it up is next steps. You know, you'll see it on the screen. You'll hear Pastor Ashley say it. I'll talk about it. You know, it's not just a class. It's four weeks. Give me four weeks, and I'll help you discover the purpose that God has for your life. How? Because you'll discover your design. We believe design reveals destiny, that when I uncover my personality and my spiritual gifts and all the profiles that make me up, then what I can do is I begin to say, okay, oh, well, that's why this is why I do, okay, this might be a good fit for me to come alive with purpose that God has in my life. There's two great days in your life. The day you were born, come on, somebody, that was a good day, and the day you discovered why you were born. I remember even as a church, uh, the first couple of years of of this church, I had a lady move down uh, that was from out of town and and loved our family and a part of what God was doing here. And I'll never forget, you know when you start and you're in your office at your house and you've got no employees, you're just getting the church off the ground and you're, you're needing all the help you can get. She said, well, listen, pastor, I'm great at administration. I said, praise the Lord. I need administration. Come on, how many know pastors need some administration? And and so I'm like, fantastic. She's like, I would love to volunteer my services to be your administrator. And I've said, okay, come on, let's do it. And what was amazing is I love this lady. All was good. But it wasn't really happening the way I thought. Like, like if I got to be honest, the details weren't being met. And, 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 and I thought administrators did this, but she would do that. And, and there was some, like, frustration. And I said, hey, can, can we talk real quick? I said, I know you say you're good at administration, but can you take this test? Can you go through the personality and spiritual? And she takes the test. And then all of a sudden, what she realized is the details were not really her thing, but she loved people and she loved to help people and she's a real high influencer so she could gather a whole lot of people but she might miss the details and i said well look i think that really you're a gatherer that if we would put you in this role as a small group leader and if you help gather people for the teams that you would come alive and the truth is she said yeah she said that's really what makes me come alive i said well why did you say that you're great at administration You know, I'm just curious, like, I mean, that's a pretty bold statement to say, come on. She said, well, all my other pastors have told me that I was good at administration. And so she began to believe what others said about her instead of what God designed her to be. Look, people define you by how they meet you, but God defines you by how he made you. And some of you have been labeled the wrong thing. And some of you need the freedom to say, look, I know that's what mom has always said I would be, or I know that's what this person has said I am, but I wonder if I could come in with some fresh eyes and a clear heart and not try to please people and just take his test and look at it and say, well, maybe the true me has been locked away and it's time for that person to be unlocked. That's what it's all about, that we discover the purpose that God has for our lives. And then ultimately, the next thing is we want to make a difference. That God's promise as believers is he's going to deal with us individually. But then ultimately, look, he says Christians grasp the immensity of his glorious way of life that he has for Christians. That's a body. That's a group. That's a tribe. God never intended for us to make a difference by ourselves. He wants to put you on a team. He wants to get you connected with people that you're moving in the same direction, that you're making an impact together. That's when church becomes fun. You know, I know church is great and you can come and experience the worship and it's amazing and but you want church to be fun? You come in and you get a part of a team. You start making a difference in the lives of others. You start having relationships that are moving your life forward with purpose. Like the 16 people that gave their life to Jesus Christ. Think about this. The parking lot team had had, had their hand in that. The children's check-in team had a hand in that. The nursery workers changing diapers had a hand in that. The ushers had a hand in that. The greeters, the, the set up and tear down. Every person that served in any capacity, part of what they did made. Made a difference in such a way that 16 people went from hell to heaven spiritually. They went from death to life. You want to have fun? Make a difference in the life of another person, and that's where life begins to really matter. It's when it begins to be fun. And you know, again, our vision is to live moment ready, reaching people with the love of God, helping them become fully devoted followers. Of Christ, I, I just believe that you in this room, you, you have felt that and you've been drawn to that. But not only do we have a vision, look, we've got values. And I want to share a few of the values with you. You know, again, some of you are new. And I just, I want you to, the clarity of who we are. The first thing is, look, God is our anchor. We just believe that. We passionately pursue God and we put him at the center of our life. That God anchors everything in our life. The second thing is, look, people are our passion. We're in the people business. Like, you can't not love people. Jesus died on a cross for people. He ain't coming back for buildings and stuff and things. We've got to love people passionately. So we create a place where everyone can belong before they believe. The third thing is, look, joy is our response. We just believe no matter what happens, we focus on the upside in life. We get to be here and our response is going to be joyful. We get to serve for our king. We get to be a part of what God is doing here. Fourth thing is excellence is our standard. We believe with all of our heart that we bring our best to honor God and we want to inspire people. That's why we do things with excellence. Someone said, but man, you even turned those those teacher signs in the parking lot and all those. Like, that's a lot of effort. Yeah, but it's excellent. You felt comfortable because you felt excellent. You couldn't put your finger on it, but when you walked by, there wasn't trash on the breezeway. I mean, there's only so much we can do to this place, but we do the best we can to make this the most excellent place because it honors God and it inspires you. Fifth thing is generosity is our lifestyle. I mean, it's just who we are. We're just, we're generous people. We lead the way in giving of our time, talent, and treasure. And so we feel like God has called us to be generous in time. He's called us to be generous with the talents that we have. He's called us to be generous with the finances. He's called us to steward. And as a church, this marks us. And then the last one is that grit is our resolve. So for us, grit, what is grit? Grit is having a can-do attitude. We don't ever say we can't. You know, I, I have a saying that Phyllis and I say with our kids. My, my, if one of my kids say, I can't, we say, hey, baby, Kyle's can. Like, we can. This this whole church, we can't. Well, we can't. No, 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 don't tell me you can't. Say, how? How can we do it? I don't know if we can. We can't reach this city. No, we can. How do we reach this city? We'll never see, you know, people come to you. No, no, we can. How do we see this city focused on the love and the heart and the passion of God? It's not we can't. We can. We have a can-do attitude it's who we are as a church it defines us and, and the truth is many of you have maybe not even heard some of those sayings or been able to articulate it like that but you have felt it the moment you walked in I like to say it like this you have felt something life-giving Like you walked in, I had someone tell me the other day, it's like a breath of fresh air. It was just, it was just, it just, it's like a breathe in something that was fresh and new and it was just, it felt good and you may not be able to articulate it, but what you're experiencing is the vision that God has for this church and I believe the vision that God has for your life. Vision matters more than you know. Matters more than you know. And see, look, it's, this is not, an organi- this is not a, a, a business. This is not an, a, an organization. This is the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. Now, now, knowing that, you need to know this, that God places the seed of potential inside of each person in this place. The seed of potential. I love Luke 17, 21. It says the kingdom of God is within you. The seed of potential. The seed of potential. And then what I believe he does is he plants you inside of the vision of a church. And it's that vision that then makes that potential come alive. Like I'm not you, but I'm called to create the soil that will cause you to come alive. It's kind of like a seed. When a seed is planted in the ground, that soil doesn't have the seed or the DNA that's planted in that seed to produce what that seed is. Maybe it's an apple tree, whatever it is. No, no, that soil's responsibility is to create the culture and the atmosphere and the environment for that seed that has the unlimited potential to be placed in and to grow and to thrive and to nourish. And so my job and responsibility is to create a culture where each and every one of you will feel loved by God in such a way that you're being helped to be moved forward to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. So what's that mean? That means the potential on the inside is being realized. That means that what God placed in there doesn't sit dormant. You can't, this is what my prayer would be. You can't sit here for very long without coming alive. Now, I know, listen, some of you, you need to sit here for a little bit. You need to rest. You came from a place where you were wounded or hurt, and that's okay. I want you to feel like that. Hey, I can come and be a part. But many others of you, you're sitting here and you can sense yourself. You're like, man, I, I'm getting a little stirker. Like I feel like he keeps talking about next steps and I'm going to do it one of these days and I'm feeling like God's calling me to start. Well, what that is is that's the that's the potential on the inside of you coming alive because you've been planted in good soil. It doesn't matter that you were hurt before. It doesn't matter about the past and the things that you walk through. You're in a safe place, a healthy place, a whole place. And so that potential can't sit here long without being exposed to God and growing. So you're growing on the inside. You're experiencing a life-giving culture. You may not even be able to articulate it. I, I like to think of it like this, like attracts like. Have you ever been hunting? How many love to hunt? Any guys love to go hunt? I was duck hunting this this last week up in Arkansas. I got invited with some pastors and it was interesting. The only reason why I got invited was because I like to hunt. Why? Because hunters like to be around hunters. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, anybody do fitness? Anybody think about fitness? <laughs> Maybe we ought to join a club, those who think about fitness. You got cross, CrossFit and you got others. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so think about CrossFit. What is that? That's a whole community of people that have gathered together their lives together. Why? Because they all enjoy fitness. Like attracts like. And so we see that also in in the body of Christ. So you may not have known what's on the inside, but God knew, which is why he brought you to this church. He didn't take you to another church. Lots of great churches in this area, he brought you to this church. Why? Because he knew that the seed that you have will thrive in the soil that we produce. Why? Because light produces light. And it attracts and you can sense God. I want to encourage you, many of you are feeling like God's leading you to this place to call it your home. Yeah, I know some of you are kicking the tires. You've been here for a little bit. You're like, I don't even know if I like that pastor in his skinny jeans. I'm not sure about all the, that's okay. You know, you're supposed to laugh that much in church. I mean, he's kind of real and raw and all the, I mean, kick the tires. I hope you find a place where you have felt the ability to be you, the authentic you. God spoke to me a long time ago. He said, if you'll be you, I'll bring people who have the freedom to be them. But here, this is what I would challenge you. Now you got to get planted in this church. Like, let 2019 be the year that you get planted in the vision that God has for your life. That this is the year where you say, yeah, I'm feeling myself come alive. What's that look like? I'm going to join a small group today. I'm going to go to Next Steps. I'm going to start serving. I'm just, I'm just going to allow God to let me come alive and see what he does with my life. And what I know is this, planted things grow. Planted things I mean, about a year and a half ago or so, I told you the story. Phyllis planted a lemon seed. Uh, she wanted some lemons. Uh, I'm not sure why, but she did. And so she plants this one seed or maybe two. I don't know how many she planted, but one little spot. She went and planted it in the backyard. And about a year and a half later, I was just noticing this weekend, Raylan, my, my smallest daughter, was freaking out, yelling out the bat, Mom, the lemon tree has a lemon it has a lemon. And she said, no, it's not lemon, but it's a cool colored leaf. You know, at least it's producing leaves. (laughs) Not yet, not yet with the lemons, but but it's doing really well. Why? Because it is planted, so therefore it has the ability to grow. Imagine Phyllis wanting to produce a lemon tree and her saying, yeah, no, about every three to six months, I'm going to move it. You know, three months down the road, that spot is too windy. Yeah, it's too windy. So I pick it up and she moves it over. Well, this spot has too much shade. So about three months later, she moves it. Well, that spot has too much sun. Moves it over. Well, this spot gets too much rain. And, 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 you know, all of these things are not bad in and of themselves. They just bothered her enough to move it. How many know that that lemon tree will probably never produce fruit? And if it does, it will never produce its full potential. Why? Because it keeps being transplanted from one, all because of different reasons. Well, look at believers in the body of Christ at large today. Many of them continue to transplant themselves from one church to another church. That pastor wears skinny jeans. I don't want to do it. You know, that, that, that worship was too loud. Well, that's okay. We got earplugs. Put some earplugs in and come experience an amazing worship experience. I'm just saying, I got people that have earplugs in here right now. And they're like, oh, pastor's there. Okay, we'll pull them out. We'll just go ahead, pastor. Hey, that's awesome. And you know what they said? This is my church, and I could put these in because this is the place God has planted. Why? Because they understand this is the soil for their life to grow. I mean, there's tons of reasons why people, you know, here's another people say, well, your church is too friendly. Well, where do you want to go to? A root church? They hug me too much. All right, well, go somewhere else. Well, they won't even acknowledge you. I mean, what, so so the, what's the point? Well, the wind blew there, and... The sun was too bright there. And the point is, you're just moving because you don't know what it means to be planted, and you wonder why your life has never produced any fruit. <clears throat> I, I think the, the fruit of my life came because I was planted in the same church for 24 years. 24 years. 24 years. Now, I promise you, there were a lot of times where I didn't agree with everything the pastor did. I promise you, there are a lot of things that I didn't always like, and, but this is what I knew. Man, it was just the power of God. I'm not moving until you move me. I'm not going anywhere. Why? Because this is the soil that you need my life to be planted in to produce what you wanted to produce. And for each and every one of you that this is your place, this is your house, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm asking you to get planted in Anchor Bend. I'm asking you to give us a year of your life. That's what I'd say. Look, look, you don't even have to do it forever. Just say, if this is the place where I think I'm supposed to be, if you will give me one year to run the play, if in after a year you feel like there's no difference, no growth, no change, I will bless you to go to another place where that soil might be more conducive to your life. You say, well, what's the play? Well, the first thing is you got to know God. None of this works apart from a relationship with God. God, I got to know you. I'm not, I'm done with religion. I'm done with just being and doing a bunch of things. I want to be with God. Then the second thing is, look, you got to get involved in a small group. Yeah, but I had a bad experience. You know, maybe I was a part of a church and we sat around a circle and we all sang kumbaya and it just got really weird. Okay, I get it. The truth is this, just because you got a bad haircut doesn't mean you stop getting your hair cut. How many know you go to a different barber? So And I'll tell you this, and, and I hate to even say it. There may be a small group in here that doesn't work well for you. That's okay. We've trained our small group leaders. Look, if someone says this is not a good fit, get them involved in another one. Don't take it personal. Not everybody is going to jive with me. I've had people leave my small group, and I'm the pastor. I'm like, for the love. If that don't hit you low, you're like, what? Come on, somebody. But you know what? I'm like, hey, you know, my brother's got a better one than me. Go check out Steve's you know, go find someone's because why? The point is there's going to be people that are attracted to you and you're attracted to as well. And that's, you, you got to get involved in, go sign up today, 80 of them and then go to next steps. You say, I've never been, listen, it's about a 45 minute class. I just need four weeks, four Sundays. I don't need four months. I don't need four years. I need four weeks. And you can start today. You simply go across the breezeway into. And they'll lead you with the signs. We got food and childcare. It's all provided. Why? Because we want to make it as easy as possible for you to move forward in your spiritual journey. Go to next steps. And then the last thing, you know, at the end of the day, begin to serve and make a difference. You know, that's where the true test of a disciple is. It's God, now I begin to make a difference in the lives of people. And, and I think there's a lie that's been perpetuated in churches that those are perfect people that serve. No, no, nobody serving is perfect. And I want you to know this too. There's probably a lot of them that are pretty jacked up in one area or another, because I am. Like at the end of the day, we all have these places that are unhealthy, that are hurt, that God is walking through, that that maybe, you know, a couple of years ago, I had one of the roughest years of my entire life. Nobody knew about it. Why? Because when I come here and serve, I just say, God, I love you. I'm here to encourage and strengthen, and I'm going to move forward. What I've learned is this. You know what brings me through my challenges? You know what brings me through my struggles? that i got something greater to live for than the problem that I'm walking through. And the challenge is some of you don't have anything greater to live for than what you're walking through. So every battle you get into, it knocks you down. Every struggle you have, you quit. Every fight the devil brings, you stop and cave in. Why? Because there's nobody that you're fighting with. You're not living for something greater. And that's what the dream team is all about. I'm going to live for something greater than what I'm struggling through. So I'm asking you, run the play, get planted. Vision matters more than you know. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we love you. I'm asking you to move like you've never moved in the hearts of your people. Lord, I felt today for you to charge this message and infuse it in your people, God. The four core promises that you have given each of us to live out. And God, I'm asking you to give us the boldness and the courage to make a commitment to to say, God, we're going to do it. We're going to run the play. You've called us to this soil, so we're going to plant our lives in this soil. And God, I thank you that every person would feel your love. Every person would experience your power. Every person would know what it means to come alive with purpose as they live in your vision. Lord, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Now keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. There's some of you here, we talked earlier about you don't know God, you don't have a relationship with God, but you're here this morning and you realize I'm ready to surrender my life to him. I'm ready right now to begin that relationship. What I want to do is I just want to lead you in a prayer of surrender. It's not the prayer that does it, it's the condition of your heart. It's the God, I'm ready. And God hears our cry. In this moment, I believe salvation can come to your life. You're giving up the things of the past. You're turning away from the way you used to run your life and be in control. And you're saying, God, I give you control. God, right now, I surrender it all to you. And I'm going to confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. And if that's you this morning, I wonder, nobody's looking around. Would you be bold enough? Just as an act of surrender, the first step, just raise your hand. Just right now, Pastor, I'm ready to surrender my life right now in this moment. If that's you, just raise your hand. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, just. Sign of surrender. Yes, pastor, that's me. I'm ready right now to surrender everything to him. Come on, church. Tell Him how proud you are. Thank you, God. Now, let me just lead us in this prayer. Jesus, I need you. Save me. Forgive me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Fill me with your spirit. I give you everything right now. I give you my hopes, I give you my dreams, I give you my future, I give you all of me in Jesus' name. And everyone said, come on, worship God.